stop right there. I'm in. You are? Just like that? Yeah. I, I need friends. Welcome to the Suicide Squad cast. This is the DC Universe podcast where we discuss the DC Extended Universe movies and TV shows. Yep, we're all big fans of what DC Comics is doing on the big and the small screens, and we want to make sure we talk all about it. So thanks for joining us. Let's get started. My name is Scott. And I'm Tim, and we're the Suicide Squad cast. Scott, are you ready for this big holiday? I hope so, after all the day I spent today rapping and being Santa's <laughs> little elf. Oh my I gosh. refused I refused to stay up till 3 o'clock on Christmas morning like I did last year, putting stuff together. So I got on. <laughs> that today christmas eve eve and i am done oh man that's good because last year i did kind of the same thing i was up you know basically it was christmas eve and i was rapping till about 1 30 in the morning i think and uh you know i said i am definitely not gonna do that again this year well looks like i'm doing it again this year <laughs> so, oh, the, oh well. you know the definition of insanity uh, i know it's doing the same thing think you're gonna get a different outcome right yep exactly yeah so uh, i'm pretty excited about that but my mind's kind of on carrie fisher tonight man i know it's like 2016 stop it yeah. Stop it. What a year, man. I'll tell you what, though. The last report I just saw before we jumped on here is that uh, she's in stable condition, which is, I guess, a good thing. Okay, stable. I heard critical. So maybe she's stable, but critical? It I could be, know. yeah. Who knows? But, you know, at this point, wish the best to Carrie and, you know, her family and all that, her loved ones, and just hope, you know, kind of hope for the best here. It's just never, ever want to see something like this happen. I mean, Carrie Fisher was such a big icon for me growing up. Obviously, Star Wars as a kid and all that, seeing that. It was just, you know, those are the kind of memories that it's always going to be a part of you. It just, you know. Star Wars as part of my childhood anyway. Have you ever listened to any of her? Uh, I, I've listened to uh, one of her memoirs because she reads it herself, Wishful Drinking. Um, if, you've, if you've not read those or listened to it, it is fantastic. I've heard that too. You're the second person I think has told me that. So yeah, I'll have to check that out. Oh yeah. So apparently I like in, I like starting um, unintentional flame wars on Twitter this week. Oh, Did what'd you, you do? Uh, well, I, I was listening to DC on screen and they had a, and they made a really funny joke comparing our two shows. Like they said that we were the silver age, Brave and the Bold Batman, and they're like Batfleck, because they were joking about how even we as the positive guys were kind of crapping on the idea of Megan Fox, Poison Ivy. And so I sent a picture of of the Brave and the Bold episode where Batman fought Superman, and then I threw up a picture from Batman v Superman, and Dave didn't remember the joke, and so he thought I was like taking a shot at him, and he was like, (laughs) why? I was like, it was your joke. And he went, no, that was Jason. That's why I don't remember this. And then apparently Watchmen at Batboy 1989, I don't know what I did to him, but he is just ragging on me all week this week. I saw him ragging on you. I was like, go boy. You're doing a good job. Keep it up, man. I can't carry this whole burden myself. Oh, but he's he's fun. And the best thing is, is that not only does he take a shot, he can, you know, he, he he can dish it out, but he can take it too. Because I've thrown some stuff back at him because I know he's messing with me. And mm-hmm. that's the fun part. Love you, Batboy1989. Yeah. Yeah. Watchmen, you need to keep it up. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, can you give me a Christmas miracle and like lay off? Like, what did I ever do to you? <laughs> really? Uh, I mean, so between but so between me like defending myself from DC on screen because it was just a misunderstanding and whatever got a Watchmen's craw. I've had an interesting week on Twitter. Oh, that's interesting. I, I must have missed that entire thing because I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, go back to Tuesday morning. You're tagged in all of it, too. <sighs> I'm not going backwards. I'm moving forward, man. So, <laughs> Did you watch Luke Cage this week also? <laughs> 
have not. <laughs> I have then not. you totally just quoted it without realizing it. Okay. All right. Well, very good, man. Maybe I subconsciously, you know, sometimes I fall asleep watching Netflix. So, you know, who knows what I have on? <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, I thought this article, if because we're going to jump right into the news now, yeah. uh, from The Hollywood Reporter was interesting. Apparently, Chuck Roven was named The Hollywood Reporter's producer of the year. Yeah. How about that? <laughs> I had no idea there was such a thing. And neither did I. I also love the picture of him holding Harley Quinn's bat. Yeah. That, that was, was pretty good. That was pretty sweet. <laughs> yeah. So what did he have to say? I, I'm, I'm just kind of curious because like you said, I didn't know this thing existed. Yeah. I mean, so it was kind of like a retrospective on a lot of stuff that, you know, not only through his career, but kind of like what he's been doing recently and where he's kind of going forward here as well. And one of the things, you know, they, they talked about a lot of the things which we don't touch on here since this is a DC podcast. But when he did talk about DC films, he brought up the fact that, you know, when they had decided to announce their plans going forward up through 2020, they had announced eight different films. And he was he was named as a producer for all eight of those films. And he said when they finished the timetable, they started looking at it and they said, you know, this is pretty ambitious. And one of the things with it is, you know, you know, when you lay out plans five years in advance, there's so many unknowns that are going to happen. <laughs> and so he says, you know, they, you know, they really at that point didn't take into consideration, like, you know, what if anything kind of upsets the timetable here? You know, how's he going to be able to legitimately produce, you know, eight of these films uh, over the next, you know, five years here, or actually four years at the time. And, and he said that, um, you know, for one thing, you know, when they had set up these plans, they hadn't even decided where they were going to shoot these films. And so then when you start having multiple films in production at the same time, that's where it became extremely difficult for him. And so, you know, he couldn't be, you know, on site uh, for the Suicide Squad film at the same time as they're doing advanced locations for Wonder Woman and Aquaman. And so that was one of the reasons that he actually had to bow out of being a producer for Aquaman. And uh, so that was that was kind of really the gist of it. Well, and it's interesting because, of, of course, we were he was trying to combat that narrative that it was, you know, BVS fallout, you know, that cursed term that caused him to step down. And he was like, no, I just can't be in Toronto and London and Italy all at the same time. Yeah. It just, it just doesn't happen. And so basically his idea was he's going to take the movies he already produced, Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, and Wonder Woman, and he's going to stick with those franchises. Mm -hmm. He'll produce those sequels, but then the newer films that come out, you know, he won't be as involved in those was kind of basically the point he was trying to make. Yeah, and so that was one of the things too, you know, since uh, he hadn't really done anything yet on Aquaman, that was one of the reasons he bowed out from that one. But I kind of found it interesting, which I didn't realize that he was one of the producers of this, but he was actually a producer for the film that's coming out right now, The Great Wall. And it's actually filmed in China by a Chinese director. And it's going to be the most expensive film that's ever been made in China for export. Wow, okay. And so that was one of the reasons that he couldn't be a producer for Aquaman. Oh, well, well yeah, once again, Toronto, London, Italy, China. Yeah. <laughs> he can't be in Australia. What, what can we say? But uh, I thought these comments on Justice League were interesting because it kind of goes back to something that we've been harping on for the last like half a year. Mm -hmm. And he said that he knew that they were they intentionally were making a serious, compelling, and driving film with Batman v Superman. Mm -hmm. And he said, well, we rung that bell, so now it was time for a movie, for them to make a movie with a lighter tone. Once again, kind of going back to the fact that Justice League was always planned to be a lighter film post-Batman v Superman. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that goes, you know, this is one of the things that's been a misnomer. And I think we always go back to what was that, April interview? Or maybe it was March, April? It was March. It was a March was a interview March with Chris interview. Terrio. Yeah. Yes. And so between Terrio and I think it was also, wasn't it? Uh, Snyder's. Yeah, the Snyder's had actually said that that was always kind of the plan. This was even before the film had come out. So that's kind of interesting. And then uh, the Hollywood Reporter asked him, you know, if they were going to be making any kind of budget adjustments because of the performance of Suicide Squad and Batman v Superman. And he basically kind of brushed it off and said, look, these two movies were huge hits. <laughs> so basically the answer is no, we're not making any major adjustments is 
the way I took that. I know. I, kind of like, you know, kind of back to the whole, they were box office failures. And he's going, no, they weren't. <laughs> no. No, no. I, I appreciated that. Yep. So I guess kind of the takeaway on this is I didn't hear anything in here that said that he was going away, which is what no. a lot of the talk was at for a while. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think we, even when we were talking about it, we felt, I don't think we said he, we felt kind of like, was he being replaced? And, yeah. We said we didn't think so. Yeah. No, no, he's not. He's not. He's just, he's kind of just focusing at this point. Well, moving on to some Suicide Squad news. I I didn't even know this was a thing, but apparently this there has been a Suicide Squad video game that's been in development from Warner Brothers Montreal mm-hmm. that it, it's weird. It's, I find out that it's in development by finding out that they've canceled development. Well, we did talk about this on our show at one time, and maybe this was an episode you weren't on, but we... It must have been a show I wasn't on, because yeah, I be. did not even remember this. Yeah, because it was uh, they had two games that they were going to do. Now, Warner Brothers Montreal, most famously, and I think maybe only is known for uh, the Arkham... What is it? Arkham, Arkham Origins. Origins. Yeah. 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 So, and it was received pretty well. I mean, it, it got criticized because it didn't exactly fit the tone and all that. Oh, it, well, it had lots of bugs when it first came out. Yeah. Uh, it, it was very buggy. The fighting system wasn't as polished as the Rocksteady games were. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, it was... I'm going to be honest with you, knowing that Montreal was making the Suicide Squad game and then hearing it's been canceled, I'm not particularly, you know, upset by this because, like I said, Origins was fine. It just did not rise to the level that all the Rocksteady of the Arkham Trilogy did, to right. be honest with you. Yeah. Well, and so the, here's the thing. Uh, I'm actually a little disappointed in this, but we'll, let's give a little more background on kind of actually what happened here. So this game has apparently been kind of in the process here for about two years, and there was very little that was kind of known about it. But uh, what the website, WWG, uh, what they had said they had known about the game was that it was going to be some kind of brawler game and that you basically would create your own character and you would grow. And as you progressed, you would kind of deal with multiple tiers of rewards and all that and then it would you would also be interacting with many characters from the Suicide Squad universe that you could also choose from it was a co-op action type of game and so it was described as having a lot of similarities with Borderlands I've never played Borderlands so I haven't either I've heard of it but I've never played it so you know nothing I'm gonna be honest nothing about those details particularly excite me mm-hmm. as a gamer yeah uh, but that's also because I have a very specific I have a very specific window of what I like in a game right. so this just didn't the reason I'm saying I'm not particularly uh, heartbroken about this is just because it didn't sound like it was a game I was going to be that jazzed for anyway. Yeah. Well, it sounds like Warner Brothers was not that jazzed with it either because apparently uh, they were never able to get the green light through several different meetings here. So they essentially were not able to impress management. Now, I guess Warner Brothers Montreal has been going through some management shakeups themselves anyway. So, and it's kind of one of these periods of time when you have a lot of changes, you know, these are the kind of like projects that kind of get either put on hold or cut, especially with the impending merger here with AT&T. So it's not too surprising. And I, I am a little bit uh, disappointed that we're not going to get a Suicide Squad game because I just feel like that's a real potential video game franchise that could be something non-Batman. And so I was I, I was real hopeful about that. Now, on that same news, there was a second game that they were in development with, which was actually going to be a Batman-style game. And this was going to be centered around Damian Wayne. So it was kind of a future, you know, Batman-type game as well. So that one apparently is still in development. Okay, well, and I'm reading the description here and I'm not really that interested in it either. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm sorry I'm one of those Montreal. You, 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 you're, play, you're playing in Rocksteady's sandbox and Rocksteady <laughs> really kind of owns that sandbox right now. Well, here's the other thing too. Now, I just read this before we jumped on. A Rocksteady is actively working on some other project, but they won't say what it is. 
Yeah. Wouldn't it be something if they didn't take on the Suicide Squad game? Yeah, I was... The, a couple of the websites I was reading sounded like they were doing a... Uh, the rumors were it's going to be Superman video game, which would be interesting because if anyone could break the Superman video game curse, I feel like it would be Rocksteady. Because if Rocksteady can't make a good Superman game, it just can't be done. Yeah. Whatever it is, I hope they are moving on to something else, and I hope it is DC-related. It would be a ton of fun. But Oh, yes. Absolutely. Well, moving on, uh, Suicide Squad is now considered a finalist for an Oscar nomination. So it's not nominated yet. It's not nominated yet. it's on yet. the list to be nominated. Right, right. And so this is for the Academy of Motion Picture Arts, which is the Oscars. They have revealed that there are seven different finalists for this year's category for makeup and hairstyling for an Oscar. And this is the competition. It's narrowed down to these seven different movies right now. Suicide Squad, Deadpool, The Dressmaker, Florence Foster Jenkins, Hail Caesar, A Man Called Ove, and Star Trek Beyond. And so apparently what's going to happen is on January 7th, the Academy is going to watch 10-minute clips from each of these movies. And following those screenings, they are going to nominate three of those seven films for final Oscar consideration. Okay. So so getting close, but, you know, nothing yet. But Nothing yet, yeah. And, you know, it, it's interesting, too, because they, they did seem to rely greatly on a lot of practical effects, you know, through many of the sequences in the film, especially when it came to the makeup. So it'll be real interesting to see if they can actually, uh, you know, get in the running here. I feel like Killer Croc should get him some headway, because yeah. that was a lot of great prosthetic practical work. It really was. It really was. It's some of the best I've ever seen in terms of, like, you know, actual physical prosthetics. And I would not be surprised if Harley and Joker, you know, that was some pretty detailed, thought-out work there. Sure. And I mean, and it's not showy, but it shows skill and, and technique. Right. So I would hope, and, I, and I'm and i curious who got to who got to pick the 10 minutes they're watching. That, you know, I would assume that the studio or somebody is like said, these are the 10 minutes that really show off our makeup. Yeah, I'm guessing it's the studios. Well, there we go. Okay. Continuing with that, uh, Viola Davis is getting a star on the Hollywood walk of fame yeah that's exciting yeah uh, well i mean but pretty much everyone has a star though don't they at this point i mean isn't it kind of largely focused around being able to basically buy yourself a star i mean isn't there isn't that a lot of it i don't know i don't know exactly i don't know the process but of how you go about doing yeah it. you know it's I, I just know the process of you know you get one but still i mean she's an oscar-winning actress mm-hmm. i mean that i think that like buys you a star right there yeah i think so yeah yeah but let's remember donald trump has a star as well <laughs> so, i didn't know that well he did I think I think somebody smashed it up. I think I saw that. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, okay. So at any rate, but I mean, but it's either, even still. I mean, I think it's pretty cool that she's getting one. But I also like the fact that in the interview where you know this was kind of announced, she even talked about uh, how much she loved playing Amanda Waller, mm-hmm. which I love. I love the fact that she's still supporting this role, and uh, <laughs> I like this that I liked playing with that power. It's something that's so often not given to women. That kind of un- unapologetic badassery. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's like the quarter of the year yeah. because I. Loved her portrayal as Amanda Waller. Well, and I and Scott, I know you made a suggestion about what the title of this episode should be. The reason I highlighted that in the notes is because that's what I want to title this episode. Oh, <laughs> I love it. Okay, I love it. So we're, we'll go with it. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> All right, cool, cool. And then I was on Vero, and I got to see this photo that Clayton's dropped. Yeah. I'm. I, I need notifications. Does Vero have notifications? So like, I know when he when they drop something because I always find out like on Twitter later. So was this one actually on Vero or was it on Instagram? It was on Vero. Because okay. I, I I pulled it up because it's this if is I'm sure you've seen it by now. Oh but yeah, it's this picture of uh, Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn looking out one of the windows of the helicopter. Yeah, and having a very 
sort of wistful look on her face. Mm-hmm. Sort of a look of longing. Yes. <laughs> longing to get back into some real clothes, I bet. <laughs> this was the last day of filming. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Oh, man. I'm just... That man cannot take a bad photo. I no. swear. Yeah. It's... Uh, I, can you, I just wish I can get his memory stick. <laughs> Imagine all the great photos he's got on there that he, he's just not allowed to release, you know, because he doesn't own them, right? It's 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 the property of the studio, so... Yeah, but still, beautiful work. And I th- just think we'll just quickly say that I don't think it'd be any surprise that Suicide Squad has topped the home release charts after since release. It's topped both the combined Blu-ray DVD and Blu-ray only charts. But interesting, Blu-ray accounted for 60% of Suicide Squad's uh, unit sales, hmm. which I'm not too particularly shocked because I think to get the extended cut, you had to get Blu-ray. I don't think they released the extended cut on normal DVD. Oh, uh, okay. So this was, this didn't include digital sales? No, this, gotcha. this is another one. And we talked about this with BVS. This is just tracking uh, point of sale physical sales, specifically gotcha. of DVDs yeah. and Blu-rays. So all the DC films have done very well when it comes to like the home release and all that and digital sales from everything that we've been able to see or at least know about. So it's kind of interesting. You know, it's um, at least the revenue continues to come in for these films despite, you know, the really negative response that we got critics and, you know, and some word of mouth. Well, hey, well, I think the point is, is that the people who enjoy these films are supportive films. Right. So that's a good and, sign. Yes. And like you said, word of mouth. I think people who maybe didn't give the film a chance in theaters are getting a chance to give it uh, give it a peek on home video. Yep. So I'm 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 excited. I think I think that there is still hope even for these two films after the trashing they got this year. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping that as we get time and distance, they'll be looked at more fond. Yeah, I think so. You know, and just this past week, and I saw you on Twitter as well was doing it as well. Uh, I was watching Batman v Superman, some bits and pieces here and there. <sighs> I just love so much of that film. It's <laughs> I, I love the seriousness of it. I love the gravity. So I just, you know, this is what I love about what DC Films has done so far. Well, I mean, I can, I can hands down say, and I'm and I'm not coming across this as like some biased fanboy, but Batman v Superman, particularly the Ultimate Edition, was my favorite movie of the year. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I cannot tell you another movie that yep. had the same kind of impact on me this year than Batman v Superman. Yeah, yeah, I would say uh, definitely the Ultimate Edition version of that makes that the best film of the year for me. So. Okay. Well, I'm looking forward to what's going to be probably my favorite film of next year, yeah. which is Wonder Woman. Yes. Oh my god. We get a lot of, oh my goodness. I, I want to pick up this copy of Time mm-hmm. that, you know, that this article appeared in because there were some pretty, pretty pictures. Yes. With a pretty, pretty lady called Gal Gadot, yep. and it was really intriguing. So how about you get us started with what, what old Gal had to say? Okay, yeah. So, I mean, this was, uh, this covered a lot of different topics here, but uh, interviewed uh, Gal Gadot, Patty Jenkins. Uh, we even had some stuff in there from Greg Rucka, who's the current writer for Wonder Woman uh, in DC Comics right now. So, uh, really nice, encompassing interview. Really, the purpose of it was just kind of like featuring Wonder Woman and kind of celebrating, you know, her current state and pop culture and all that. So, but one of the first things they touched on was Gaul's reaction to the United Nations decision to remove Wonder Woman as an honorary ambassador for women empowerment. So, uh, I like this quote here from Gaul, and I'm just going to go ahead and read it. There are so many horrible things that are going on in the world, and this is what you're protesting? Seriously? When people argue that Wonder Woman should cover up, I just don't quite get it. They say if she's smart and strong, she can't also be sexy. She says that's not fair. Why can't she be all of the above? It's a perfect response. Preach it. Yes, perfect response. Absolutely. And it was so sad because I was reading this week's uh, DC Comics and there was a one-pager ad that was about, you know, this women empowerment movement from the UN that they'd obviously already worked up before this controversy happened. So at least if you buy this week's issues of DC Comics, she's still the ambassador. Yeah, true, true. Yeah, and then Patty Jenkins was talking about growing up with Wonder Woman as a female icon because, you know, so many people of this generation, I mean, they grew up on Linda Carter. Mm-hmm. 
And I mean, that's how can you not be more of an icon than that? Yeah. And what Patty Jenkins said is that we all fought at recess about who was going to be Wonder Woman because she was the only female superhero we could even think of. So it was play Wonder Woman or be out of the game. <laughs> I mean, I and I think that's that's a testament. It's like Wonder Woman has persevered for 75 years. Yeah. Others have come after her, but she was the first. Yep. And then they talked a little bit more about filming over in Italy. And apparently the village that they filmed in was called Happy Village. <laughs> I didn't realize that was actually the name of it. But I liked what Gall said about this. She said, we had all these women in armor fighting on the beach. And meanwhile, all the men, the husbands and the boyfriends of the actresses, are walking around in strollers taking care of the kids. <laughs> and she was just basically kind of like marveling at, you know, th- that you actually can have a situation like this where it's basically the women being able to do all the stuff that traditionally the men were doing. And it was the men taking care of the kids. Well, and then she went and talked about how she wanted to make Wonder Woman someone for girls to look up to. And I, this is intriguing to me. She basically is just taking all the tropes mm-hmm. that we traditionally apply to male superheroes. And then she's just going to apply it to Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. And, and and her and her reaction was, and people are going to think it's so radical and so progressive and so new. It's like, no, I'm just doing the same thing to Wonder Woman that's been done to every male superhero in every movie up to this point. Mm-hmm. But because I don't treat the female hero differently in that regard, it's going to seem radical. Yeah. And she can't wait to see audiences reaction to that moment. Yeah. Hey, I'm ready for it. I still I still love the call out to Richard Donner Superman when uh, when yes. Diana saves uh, Steve in the alley. <laughs> yeah, and great. a complete homage that she even admits was an homage mm-hmm. to Richard Donner Superman. So I am so looking forward to this movie. Like I've been seeing on Twitter this week, can it just be June 2nd already? Yeah. Well, yeah. And I love that scene too because it was basically just saying, okay, it's the girl's turn now. You know, they're not going to be the damsel in distress anymore. Yeah. I, I also think tying into this, Gal Gadot's comments here about uh, feminism. Mm-hmm. I, I like this. I think people take it the wrong way when I say I'm a feminist. Feminism is not about burning bras and hating men. It's about gender equality. Whoever is not a feminist is a chauvinist, mm-hmm. which I find that a very interesting way of sort of defining. Mm-hmm. It's like feminist is just about wanting equality for women. Yeah. It, it doesn't have to be connected to all that other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's kind of like an unfortunate misconception that the vast majority of feminists are, you know, you basically have to live with is this idea that, you know, it's, it's man hating and it's not at all that I've the feminists I've known and you know and I actually kind of consider myself feminist as well I mean I've never known anyone to be like a man hater it was always about like hey you know we want basically the same kind of rights that men have had and so I like this I you know she you know and she's going to be kind of a spokesperson for this and I like the idea that she's she has uh, this really clear and succinct view about this well and the fact that she says that she wanted Wonder Woman to be confident strong but also feminine and warm she said I quote I didn't want her to be a ball buster right I didn't want her to be bossy. You can be powerful but also loving. And I think that's going to be interesting because, you know, a lot of times when you get the powerful female, she's kind of a, you know what? Mm-hmm. Fill in the blank there. And I like the idea of saying, no, I'm going to be powerful but I also don't have to play it. Mm-hmm, right. So I'm I'm intrigued. And then we just get all these pretty, pretty pictures. <laughs> I know. There's a great one of her on the horse. And of course, she's out front. Chris Pine is behind her, which, I, which is great. <laughs> and then there's this glamour shot of her dolled up but then she's framing her face with her hands but she's also wearing her bracelets yeah. which was great I still want that to be like the cover sh- like that should be like the cover shot on a magazine <laughs> it could be it could be that's a beautiful picture though but we got this whole week we just got all kinds of pictures dropped in us uh, we had another one that was with Entertainment Weekly and this was a great one this is the one I think you, Scott you actually tried to make up some cover art already <laughs> I didn't <laughs> try I succeeded <laughs> sir I succeeded uh, my only my only quibble with it is you left out the Entertainment Weekly stamp on it well that's only because when you make it a Twitter photo it, it's not it's the picture's too big yep I understand that but it's kind of my policy if they're stamping it 
then I'm going to make sure that's in the picture. Well, it's either lose Gaul's head or keep the stamp. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I would rather see Gaul. Fair enough. Fair enough. So uh, at any rate, uh, beautiful picture. And, and we got a little bit of context about what's going on in the, in the image itself. I know. I think that's kind of the intrigue. Like the photo was cool, but I think the caption that came with the photo was more newsworthy. Yeah. I mean, so the photo, it shows Diana, obviously in Themyscira here, and she's in her, what would you call that outfit? Like the little bronze outfit that she well, wears? It's, called, it's actually officially referred to as a training gear. Training gear. Okay. That, that's actually because there's a statue of her uh, that's being put out by DC Collectibles, and that's actually what they call that outfit. They call it the training outfit. Okay. Well, she's inside this little structure that's kind of, uh, oh, it's kind of wrapped around the sword. It's in the middle, and she's on the inside, and, just, and it looks like she's beginning to pull the sword out of this. And so, so here's the little description of it. It said, describing this photo, for Wonder Woman, her moment comes when she disobeys her mother, Hippolyta, breaks into the heavily guarded armory on her idyllic all-female island of Themyscira, and steals the Amazon's mythical sword, the God Killer, before heading to Europe to help save humanity. Is this, now you have read a lot more Wonder Woman comics than I have. Is this a thing, the God Killer sword? Actually, there was a God Killer sword. Ironically, though, it was in Deathstroke. In the Tony S. Daniel New 52 run of, of Deathstroke, the entire second arc of that run had Hephaestus hiring Deathstroke to break into Themyscira, and he called the sword the God Killer. Oh, interesting. Now, yes. Now, I also found it interesting. Someone else, however, made a connection to the Wonder Woman animated movie, referencing that prologue scene, the sort of 300-esque scene that we've talked about, mm-hmm. where uh, Hippolyta decapitates Ares at mm-hmm. the beginning of the movie, and suggested maybe that would even be the God Killer sword. But mm. the idea of a sword being called the God Killer, I first encountered in the New 52 uh, Deathstroke run with Tony Dane. Okay. All right, so Scott of the Suicide Squad cast has confirmed that Joe Manganiello will be in Wonder Woman. Oh, shut. No. <laughs> no, sir. No, sir. You are not going to do that to me. I'm not going to play Mark Hughes in this situation, which we'll talk about later. Yes, yes. Yeah, and then Patty Jenkins, what she basically said about this photo was, this is that moment. Because there's always that moment in a superhero movie where the hero makes the decision to become the hero. And Jenkins is saying, this moment with Diana taking the God Killer sword is that moment where she finally goes, no, this is what I'm going to do. This is when she commits herself to the cause. Okay, and then the one last thing, uh, another great image we actually saw on the internet floating around is the uh, table of contents for the latest issue of Entertainment Weekly that's going to feature this image that we're talking about with Diana. This is Gal Gadot in that blue dress that we actually see at that formal gathering, that formal party of some sort. And uh, it's the same blue dress that we see in a trailer. She actually has a sword tucked in the back there as well. So, but man, what a what a beautiful dress for her to wear. Uh, and just the, the colors work so well with her. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just all these different images just really get me so stoked. I know. It's like, Merry Christmas from the DC films. Right. Photos. We all, and we also got a press release, which it was interesting. I saw some people on the internet disregarding the press release going, eh, it's not a lot of newsworthy here. But I noticed something in here. Uh, Patty Jenkins is getting a writing credit on this movie, which I thought was interesting because if you follow the lettering, uh, she's got the ampersand between her name and Jeff John's name, mm-hmm. which means that Alan, that means Alan Heinberg wrote a draft of the script. And then that means Jeff John's and Patty Jenkins worked together to then do rewrites on it. Yeah. So interesting. And it even says that Zack Snyder helped develop the story for the movie along with Alan Heinberg. So yeah. I, I think this is intriguing. Mm-hmm. It's like, I, I wonder what Patty Jenkins added to it that she gets a full-blown writing credit now. Yeah, and remember all the criticism Warner Brothers got when it was announced that Alan Heinberg and Jeff Johns were going to be writers on this film? Oh, uh, yeah. There's not a woman? There's not a woman, well, yeah. So. Well, yeah, yeah. And of course, we said it, I think we even said it at the time, 
time. I'm like, she's directing it. She's going to have a heavy influence in this. Well, so. apparently even more than we thought. Yeah, definitely. So speaking of more images that have gotten dropped this week, again, DC Films and Warner Brothers just giving us lots of Christmas gifts. We got this awesome, awesome, awesome image of three members of the Justice League. It's Batman, Wonder Woman, and The Flash. And this actually this actually came in Entertainment Weekly. It, I, th- I believe it's in that same issue, right? It, it, it's in the same issue. I mean, all these images were being released digitally, so yes. I'm assuming it's going to be in the same issue that the Wonder Woman stuff did. Right. Well, in this one, uh, there wasn't a whole lot at least released digitally on this. It, you know, he had the image, but then it talked a little bit about uh, Ezra Miller uh, talking about how he described some of his fellow Justice Leaguers in the film. And uh, he was having a little fun. He just said, you know, Flash is really Ringo Starr. He annoys everybody, but he doesn't have any specified beef with anyone. And was was Ringo Starr really annoying to people? I, I do not know much about the Beatles' personal <laughs> lives. I just tend to listen to music. Yeah. That would be a question for Frank from uh, Beer Geeks. He yeah. loves the Beatles. So you have to, Frank, tweet us. Let yeah. us know. Was Ringo Starr annoying? I'd be interested to know. <laughs> yeah, I never knew that to be the case if that's actually uh, if that's actually true. Or it could just be, you know, Ezra just throwing some shade at Ringo Starr for no particular reason. He described Aquaman as Uncle Fish Curry. He described him as very grumpy. He described Dad, in this case, Batman, that he gets grumpy too, and that he's had a long life of fighting crime, and basically that's what's made him grumpy. And then he described Wonder Woman as very considerate, even though she's annoyed with the Flash. She's still very compassionate. Well, of course she does. She's Wonder Woman. Yeah. She's, she's mom. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to think of her as mom, Scott, to be honest with you. <laughs> uh, and I'm, I'm there with you, but remember, she's like 2000. Just get over it. That's true. That's true. She looks good for her age. All so right. She does. So, and this is a, I think we have to describe this as kind of spoilerish here, because this goes back to the reports on the set of Justice League that uh, many different sources had. They actually recognize where this picture was taken from and recognize what the set was all about. And they described what they believed was happening in this photo based on what they saw. So if you are trying to avoid this, then just skip the next minute, we'll say here, of this. And uh, we'll kind of touch on, let's say a couple minutes, we'll touch on at least what they say is happening in this. So basically what's happening is Batman and Flash and Wonder Woman are in a ventilation tower in Gotham City. And it was this giant set that was actually built for this huge action scene. Uh, The group gets into this parademon nest after they've had a conversation of some sort with Commissioner Gordon. And they jump into Batman's new four-legged crawler vehicle. And they described it as a spider-like tank, which can crawl walls. And so they dug their way through this tunnel to the ventilation shaft uh, near Strikers Island. And the crawler uses all these different weapons to fend off some of these parademons that were trying to attack them. And then once inside, they encountered a massive horde of creatures, and they had to fight their way out. And this included a sequence uh, with this long and broken bridge outside of the shaft. And I think we might have seen that in the trailer. I was going to say, I'm, this is all sounding like something we saw from the Comic-Con footage. Right. And then eventually the crawler ended up buried in water as a ventilation shaft presumably ends up getting flooded. And so, at any rate, uh, this was a description from comicbook.com, uh, their on-site reporter, and I can't remember who it was. But uh, So this is kind of interesting. They said in some concept art that they had seen that this showed the three heroes standing on top of the crawler as it became consumed by water. So that might be what's happening in this, in this image. And this is, you know, this is a lot of this is stuff that we had kind of seen a little bit of it in the trailer, as you said. Oh, and yeah. I'm sure we'll definitely see more of this before the release. Please, please, please soon, please soon, please <laughs> soon. I need some more. Just yes. And then we got a press release that uh, impressed a few people. Uh, we got all the same information we've gotten before, but turns out Chris Terrio has now been elevated to the position of executive producer as well. Right. And two cast members were confirmed for Justice League. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesse Eisenberg, who had already told us he was probably going to be in Justice League, mm-hmm. but now it's official. Lex Luthor will be in Justice League. And also Connie Nielsen, who plays Queen Apollo which doesn't surprise me at all either since the Amazon 
Amazons are one of those three tribes that get a mother box. Right. So I'm not shocked that the queen of Thermoscira is going to have an appearance in Justice League. Now, my only question would be whether she ends up in one of those prologue history lesson kind of deals where we learn about the mother boxes, or do they actually travel to Thermoscira? Does Diana have a conversation with her in this present day dealing with this new threat? Right. Yeah. So we'll just have to wait and see on that. Well, and then we got some Aquaman news. Now, Patrick Wilson, who of course played Night Owl and Watchmen, he is going to be playing Orm in Aquaman, Aquaman's half-brother. He talked to WBT, which is out of Charlotte. It's a FM news radio station. And he talked about what had attracted him to playing Orm. And uh, he was on there promoting this uh, this thriller of that he's in right now called The Hollow Point. And he said that what is going to be interesting is that there hasn't been any kind of technology to back up the storytelling up to this point. So uh, he says for Aquaman up until now. And for him, he was completely biased uh, with James Wan, who he's actually done four films with. Uh, and knowing what he's done at the helm and knowing what he can do and what he will do, uh, he'd said that he would do anything with him as a director. And he said the lore of Aquaman is because he hasn't been overexposed on a screen. And he said he didn't know Jason Momoa and he couldn't wait to meet him. He's a huge fan, even from the very first episode of the Game of Thrones. So he said he's definitely in. He's in with him and he's real excited. He said it's going to be fantastic. And then he also said that he's going to start filming in about six months and he has a costume fitting next week. Yeah. So, yeah. Because he also, he did tweet out a picture this week of him uh, already in training. Yes. So he's already working out, sweating it out. So, yep. woohoo, go Patrick Wilson. Yep. Now, we got some uh, Ben Affleck comments from Entertainment Weekly. Nothing giant there. It's just him saying the same thing that he's working on the script and he's not going to get started until he's, you know, good and ready. As, as he put it, there's not enough money in the world to make a mediocre version of Batman worth it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, thank you, Ben. I agree. Yeah, thank definitely. You. And then he talked about how his kids just love the fact that he's, you know, <laughs> you know, Batman. And he said, my son especially, he's going to be five and he's in full superhero geek mode. He still sort of thinks I might really be Batman. I know he'll realize eventually I have feet of clay, but I'm enjoying it while it lasts. <laughs> uh, we all lose that superhero vision from our kids at some point. No, no, I still have mine of my dad. <laughs> my, my, my dad's badass. Yeah. So that's never going to change. Okay, cool. Uh, so uh, speaking of changing, Ben Affleck's new film, Live By Night, has not gotten critical acclaim like he's gotten with all of his other films. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I know we haven't seen the movie. No, so we, we can't we we can't speak whether we find this to be BS or not. Mm-hmm. We'd have to see the movie, but I'll tell you that some of the reviews I have been seeing of Live by Night just make me groan. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, it's dark. Oh, it's grim. I'm go, <laughs> yeah, it's a prohibition gangster movie. What did you expect? Yeah, I've uh, I just kind of scanned some of the high level things from the reviews and all that, and it seemed like they were genuinely trying to compare it to some of Affleck's other films, which I think is a legitimate you know way to compare this new film. Uh, you know, because he's had you know of course Argo and Gone Baby Gone as very highly successful. Yeah, well, Gone Baby Gone was his first movie. The Town was the one we really kind of made it break out. Yeah. So I think it's legit to really compare those two, compare this to these other two films. And so they were saying he it wasn't as good as other, other films, and that was kind of what led to some of their criticism. So I don't know. We'll have to see. You know, I, I definitely want to see the film, uh, you know, regardless of what the critics are saying. I, I think it looks like a really interesting take. So I'm interested to see what he does. But yeah, I'm just kind of waiting, and I haven't seen this yet, but I don't know. I'm just waiting for them to start comparing it to Batman v Superman. <laughs> As every movie in 2016 yes. can compare to Batman v Superman. Either that or they'll blame it on they'll blame it on Batman v Superman why he didn't do so well or something. No, they already they've already started that. Oh, have they? They've already they were saying that it was uh, the, some reviews were claiming that this movie was rushed because he was so busy with Batman v Superman and Suicide Squad. That's already started. Oh geez. Give me a break. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it has. Oh well. Well, speaking of a little bit kind of going back to Suicide Squad, kind of. Margot Robbie got married. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't I didn't know 
know that this was a thing, but marriage? she... Marriage? <laughs> but I knew marriage was a thing. I just didn't know marriage was a thing with her. With her, yes. So there was a great picture of her kissing her now husband, uh, Tom Ackerley, and uh, interesting throwing up her ring finger as if she was shooting the bird, which right. I thought was really cute. Mm-hmm. And uh, apparently it happened over this past weekend in uh, Byron Bay. So yeah. congratulations to the happy couple. Yep. So uh, so for those of you that were kind of holding out hope, I think you're going to have to kind of put that aside and move on. Uh, <laughs> you didn't have a shot anyway. Don't worry. <laughs> no. Yeah. So uh, talk about this Mark Hughes thing. Okay. Oh, I was following this Twitter conversation. I, like, I was watching this happen live, but somebody was asking a question about, you know, the possibility of the Justice League trailer coming out and, you know, when would Gotham City Sirens start filming? And, and it was, it was, I think actually Romeo was even talking to Mark Hughes. Mm-hmm. I saw that. Uh, yeah. And it was from that conversation that websites started reporting that Mark Hughes has confirmed that Gotham City Sirens will start production in the middle of next year. (laughs) And Mark Hughes had to say, apparently I can't interact with my fans anymore. Or give his opinion, yeah. Give his opinion to my fans anymore because I speculate and people start reporting it as news. Yeah. And I I saw that and I saw those news headlines and I was like, they didn't. And then when I saw Mark Hughes' tweet after that, I went, oh, he did. Oh, they did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's in one way this kind of sucks because all he's doing is just kind of giving his opinion, you know, just having friendly interaction with fans. That part sucks that they take that, take it as some kind of newsworthy piece of information. The other thing that's kind of good about it is that he's gotten enough respect that people take something he says and try to make news out of it. So, you know, it's a double-edged sword. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So one last thing before we kind of move on to, um, you know, some of the non-movie news. Uh, Zack Snyder tweeted out, well, tweeted is the wrong word. He vero'd out. Is that, is that even a word? (laughs) It will be pretty soon, I'm sure. (laughs) So Zack Snyder on his Vero account had Vero'd out an image from, and this was this must have been taken at the same time that we saw that first image of Batman standing next to the Batmobile. It's just an image of Batman maybe about ready to get into the Batmobile or just kind of looking down on it. And all you really see is a, essentially a silhouette of Batman. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture. I, I When I saw this picture, I kind of wish that had been the image that they had used instead of the one that they did. Yeah, this would not have gotten you sad Batman. You wouldn't have gotten sad Batman. <laughs> you would not have gotten sad Batman if you had used this picture. Yeah, it's like to me, I would have liked them to use it because it showed just enough that you can, you know, you could see you can bend his neck down, you get the small ears, you know, you get the beautiful picture of the Batmobile, but it leaves all the rest as a complete mystery. And I would have probably liked that a little bit better. Yeah, the only the only thing with the other photo that that got me excited that you, you miss out on this photo is you don't get that Frank Miller-esque fat bat on his chest. And I have to admit that when I saw that Frank Miller-inspired bat, I kind of <laughs> I kind of lost it. Yeah. So, uh, but except for missing on the bat, this, I think, would have been a better choice. I think so, yeah. So, it's, I mean, it's easy to second guess at this point. Oh, hindsight's twenty twenty. I mean. Yeah, and maybe we're only saying it because, you know, we just kind of got annoyed at the sad Batman memes, but it, this is just a beautiful image. I'm going to make this some cover art. So. Why not? Yep. Why not? Well, speaking of more images, uh, Lego Batman just decided to go make it rain. <laughs> yeah, Pyramid International, who is making a bunch of promotional posters for the Lego Batman film, put on their website 29 different poster images that you can, I believe you can order these for Lego Batman. And there's just a lot of really fun ones in there. And um, what I would just recommend is go ahead, uh, rather than us sit here and try to describe them to you, just go ahead and Google Pyramid International and Lego Batman, and you'll be able to find all these images. And there's just a ton of fun ones in there. Uh, th- I especially like the one where it shows all the different faces of Batman. I have, I haven't seen these. Oh, do tell, do tell. Oh, <laughs> I mean, yeah. honestly, you have me intrigued. Oh yeah, you're just gonna have to look at it, Scott. Now they have all. Uh, there must be, uh, there must be about 12 or 16 different images of Batman. 
Batman's face. And it's all the different facial expressions. <laughs> it's, it's a great one. That's the one I would probably want to get. Oh, but, okay. Yeah. I, 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 you, you've, you've intrigued me, sir. I am now <laughs> doing it. I wasn't going to search it, but now I am. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's finish up the show so you can go ahead and look this up. Okay. Well, this is kind of cool. I have to admit, it's mm-hmm. been a long time since I've seen comic books on TV. But DC Comics is planning on airing commercials uh, that are going to promote the release of the Volume 1 collections of Rebirth Conks. Very cool. And I, I know. I think you can already watch some of these online. I haven't watched them yet. But apparently there are 11 different Rebirth commercials, probably because there are 11 different collections, mm-hmm. that are going to be airing on AMC, IFC, TBS, TNT, and various other networks. What I noticed is all these are Time Warner-owned channels. <laughs> so okay. <laughs> they're, 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 they're putting their money where their mouth is and going, we're going to use our channels to promote the product. But they're going... But the collections are going to promote Batman, Flash, Green Arrow, Justice League, Suicide Squad, Supergirl, Superman, and Wonder Woman. Okay. With uh, with an addition with uh, three other commercials that are just sort of promoting rebirth in general. That's cool. Have you ever seen a DC Comics commercial on TV for a comic? Well, just promoting mm. a comic book. No, I well I, I have seen a comic book store, a local comic book store. I know at some point, like ten years ago, ran ads about the time that Civil War was coming out. Okay. But that's about the only time, but that wasn't even a comic book publisher. That was just a local vendor doing that. Okay. So we have uh, my local comic shop. is It's a pretty big one. It's called BuyMeToys.com. And they run constant commercials on TV. And what's funny about it is they sell you know a ton of Marvel, a ton of DC and all that. But the only thing they show in their commercial is DC products. And uh, they've got this great video. And it I think it was actually produced by DC Comics. But it showed like this was when New 52 came out. It showed all, all these different images of Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, and all that. And it's got some kind of music in the background. And you could actually add, you could basically put this thing out there so you could air this commercial and they would actually record a promo for you at the end, basically saying, you know, come to this store at this location. And I see this commercial all the time. And it's got Dan DiDio uh, records at the end saying, you know, come to buymetoys.com on Grape Road. And it's pretty cool. But so so I do see a ton of DC commercials on the air. And it's, and it's only, like you said, it's only because of the comic book shop. But man, they are constantly constantly airing it so they must be doing really well um well i'm looking forward to seeing what these look like and I just, yeah I, I don't know it's like i said because they're all time warner channels I, I and they're all cable i'm curious what the impact on this is actually going to be so, so we will see all right well i'm glad to see they're finally doing something like it so we'll see like i agree with you let's see how it turns out all right well guys that is it for this week's podcast you know scott and i need to get on and and kind of do some christmas stuff because times are running short <laughs> yeah this this l this l still needs to help santa out a little bit tonight yes yes and and uh, this elf needs to have a couple drinks and maybe do a little bit of little bit of producing tonight. And drunk rapping, drunk, drunk rapping, really? Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. That, that's a that's a new that's a new side of you, Tim. Yes. Yeah, I'm glad to know that exists. Yes, yes. So I'm going to do a little bit of that. And uh, but anyway, we want to thank you guys for listening as usual, and uh, we hope you enjoyed this discussion. This is our second to last episode before the end of the year. Oh wow! So if you want to if you want to be able to talk to us and you know give us your thoughts before the end of 2016, please feel free to write us. Uh, best way, of course, is our show's Twitter handle at Suicide Squadcast. And as always, you can reach me at ScottDC27. And then you can reach me on Twitter as well, at Alan Fire. And then you could also reach us through email at SuicideSquadcast at gmail.com. Or Facebook, or YouTube, or <laughs> anywhere else. Or our website. Don't forget our website, SuicideSquad.com. Yeah. You can reach us all kinds SuicideSquadcast.com. Yes, well, okay. <laughs> I didn't say that. I don't know what SuicideSquad.com is, but I, I have no idea what that website is, but ours is SuicideSquadcast.com. Well, yes. Yes. Because so. we want you to listen to our show. Yes. And we will interact we will answer we will write you back we will talk with you we are we're more than happy we 
we want to thank you so much for listening to us and engaging us. Yep. And we'd like to thank you for the reviews you've left us this past week. And uh, we got five this week. And that leads us two away from our next giveaway. So, Tim, how about you get us started? I would love to. So our first review comes from, I don't know what you would say this is, STC Shindo? That's how I would say it, yes. Yes, okay. And it's titled, The Best DC Movies Podcast. The Suicide Squadcast, in my opinion, is the best DC Movies Podcast today. I look forward to hearing Tim and Scott each week. Thank you. And our next one, I'm not sure how you would say this. Sort of like, Et Fan? Et An? Nope, Ethan. It's Ethan. Ethan. Ah, the big H. I see it. (laughs) From Ethan, called Great Show for the DC Fan. Ethan writes, A great show for DC News and Insight. These guys really know their stuff. I also enjoy the humor at the end of each podcast. Ah, thank thank you. you. Yeah, thank you for noticing. (laughs) Takes a ton of work. We we spend all week trying to write those humor bits. Uh, No, we we make crap up at the end of the night. I mean, really. (laughs) It's not true at all. (laughs) I'm glad you even label it as humor. I find it funny. Good for you. Yes. At least somebody thinks it's humor, so that's good. We've broken through to somebody, Scott. Yes. All right, so our third review comes from Heroic Villain 12, and it's titled, dot, 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 what happens next will shock you. And Heroic Villain says, ladies and gentlemen, I like you to meet Tim and Scott, these fine gentlemen, (laughs) who also have day jobs, mind you, that's true, put some serious effort into finding the latest and greatest in the DC universe, and they are not fooled by cheesy clickbait. Ben Affleck was interviewed, and what he said next, oh no, Batman, phooey. Tim and Scott are on a case like Sherlock Holmes and Watson, the Cumberbatch version, not (laughs) Robert Downey Jr. I've been listening for a long time now, and I must say, I am continually impressed beyond all standards of podcasting. You guys, as well as DC TV and DC Comics Squadcast, are so professional. Keep up the great work, guys. I look forward to you every week. That's awesome. Thank you so much for that. I take it that makes you smog and makes me, you know, you know, Bilbo Baggins. I mean, honestly. (laughs) Okay, I'll take it. And, uh, you know, and Heroic Villain, thank you for also recognizing the great work that Brent and Ray are doing over at DC TV Squadcast, and then Chris and Jordan at DC Comics Squadcast, so uh, just appreciate the feedback there. And then we actually got a review from our UK store. Uh, Jack Mill 3 uh, writes a review called Straight to the Point DC News. Jack writes, Love this podcast. Listen every week without fail. Jokes are made at the right time unlike other podcasts. You know the ones I mean. Keep up the good work. Jack from the UK. Which one does he mean? I think he's I referring to, I think he's referring to Brent and Ray. I think I think so. Brent, really, just Come on. Work, work on your timing. Yeah. I mean, it, honestly. Inappropriate jokes. Come on, man. <laughs> Why do we work with these people? <laughs> and then our fifth and final review comes from the U.S. store, and it's from Mr. Hill 06, titled Love the Show. And Mr. Hill says, I love this show. I've been listening since the beginning. Glad there is a place to get good, reliable DC news. Thank you so much for appreciating that. We work our butts off to try to at least yes. do that. Yes, we do, actually. Yes. So anyway, guys, that's five reviews this week. Thank you so much. That kind of takes care of a lull we had for a few weeks there. Yeah, it makes we feel loved and appreciated. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, you so like much. Us. You really like us. Yep. So guys, we are two away from the next giveaway. So if you feel like we deserve it, please leave us a positive written review on iTunes and you will automatically be entered into the giveaway and we will be giving away a DC trade paperback, $15 or less. So two away. There's no reason not to do it. And let's see if we can get it in before the end of the year. I was about to say, can we end 2016 on a, on a giveaway? That yes. would be sweet. So we've had tons of new listeners lately. So if you have not done it, jump in here, man. We've given away like 22 different trade paperbacks since we started the show. I know. And as long as it's under $15, you get to pick it. We send you links to Amazon. It's like, go, 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 go play. Yes. Go play. Go do it. So, all right. Well, that's it, guys. We, I need to move off and start drinking some eggnog and just have a little bit of, uh, well, in my case, I'm going to have a little bit of Grand Marnier as I do some wrapping. <laughs> so, oh, aren't we drunk fancy. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Grand Marnier. I'm going to go drink some water, dude, and eat a cookie. All right. Well, good. Good for you, man. I'm, I'm happy with my Grand Marnier. So, that's it, guys. I uh, hope you guys have a wonderful Christmas and, you know, and if you don't celebrate it, just hope you have a wonderful time 
with your family no matter what you do. And guys, keep reading DC. Yep, see you together. Happy holidays. So that's great insight into the God Killer Sword and its relationship to Deathstroke. So Scott, man, this is a big deal, man. Scott of the Suicide Squad cast is now confirming that Joe Manganiello will be reprising his role as Deathstroke in Wonder Woman. Oh, shut up. Could just could do something about Margot Robbie being married. We we blow ourselves up because it just the life just isn't worth living anymore. <laughs> but we always need Brennan here going, guys, dudes, you're, you're both married. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> we should get a preview of you drunk of you drunk rapping. We made- <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Tim, Tim, are you, are you daddy? <laughs> Tim, I'm rapping here. I'm drinking my drum on you. <laughs> <laughs> what would be a good rap song I could do? Oh my God, drunk rap. <laughs> Yes, drunk rapping. That's great. Yes, you've got to do that. <laughs> I'll drop. I'll, I'll drop a beat for you, and you drunk rap. <laughs> I don't know if I want to do this. <laughs> Guess who's back? Back again. Shady's back. Tell a friend. Guess who's back? 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 No, <laughs> just no. Uh, not feeling it, man. <laughs> That's fine. Hey, we we took a shot at it. Yeah.